You're listening to Green Biz Radio, the voice of GreenBiz.com, bringing you news and analysis on business, the environment, and the bottom line. For Green Biz Radio, I'm Tilde Herrera. 2009 promises to be an eventful year in the development of climate change regulations, both internationally and at the domestic level. But with so much potential movement on several different fronts, what should businesses be watching and how can they move from the sidelines to take an active role in shaping future climate policy? To answer some of these questions, we have Ryan Shusar joining us today. Ryan is a manager of environmental research and development at Business for Social Responsibility. Known as BSR, the organization works with companies to develop and promote sustainable business strategies and is also a partner of ClimateBiz.com. Ryan is the author of Looking for Signs Along the Road to Copenhagen, an article appearing at ClimateBiz.com that explores the developments businesses should monitor in the months leading up to the UN climate negotiations in December. Today, he'll give us a snapshot of all the action and offer advice on how companies can position themselves ahead of future climate policy. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. How would you characterize 2009 in terms of climate change and potential impacts on business? Well, it's It's a pivotal year. First of all, we have a president that's committed to reducing emissions by 80% by 2050 and vigorous diplomatic action. Um, We have an incoming Congress that has 20 more Democrats and six in the House and more evidence that clean energy is not at odds with jobs and more consensus among economists that we need to act now. So it's, it's a pretty big time for climate policy. On the international front, I know that a lot of people are looking forward to the U.N. climate negotiations in Copenhagen in December. Can you talk a little bit about, just in big picture terms, why should businesses in the U.S. care about what happens in Copenhagen? Well, generally speaking, with global climate policy, there's the United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change process, and that's the big process leading towards an international treaty It's important to address leakage, which is emission sources moving from one place to a place of of less regulation. Many are concerned that if if we don't address leakage, the whole system would be undermined. So this is a global treaty that we've been working on since the 90s um, with with Kyoto. And many hope and some expect that we'll see some treaty in the next year or a couple of years signed. Okay, well, that's happening in December. Can you offer us a thumbnail sketch of the events leading up to the talks in Copenhagen that businesses should be paying attention to? Yeah, there's there's a series of events leading up to Copenhagen, and like Kyoto, there will be meetings afterwards. So the big event this year, the symbolic one, is Copenhagen in December. Before that, we'll have a meeting in Bonn in March. There will be another meeting in Bonn in June and then a meeting in Bangkok in September and October. And those are the, the UN-focused events. There are also some other important ones. There's a World Business Council meeting on climate change in Copenhagen this May, which is a, a gathering of corporate leaders, which will ideally play into the process. And then, of course, the G8 summit in July is also going to be uh, influential. Climate change is one of four big items on their agenda. What sort of developments do you expect to come out of those two meetings? Well, the the general thought is moving towards agreement by countries on the, the basis for a treaty. And the, both the U.S. and China are two of the big players that need to agree in particular. So it's it's holding the hands of the U.S. and China in many ways to agree and to make them comfortable with the process. Okay. You talked a little bit about leakage. What are some of the other issues that businesses need to be following at the international level and why? 
Well, it's a good question because global policy can seem kind of esoteric. Ultimately, there's probably at least two main ways that policy is going to affect companies from the treaty. One is domestic legislation that companies will take on in order to meet the commitments. So those are those are things like direct regulation, which could be cap and trade or carbon taxes, also product standards and technology incentives. Those are some, some broad things. Uh, that's on the domestic legislation side. And then also border measures. So we haven't seen much in the way of border taxes or border tax adjustments, things like that yet. But as the global market mechanisms form, we would expect probably some measures at the border. And what's a border tax? How would that impact your average business owner? There are different proposals for a border tax. A border tax would be relevant if a, if a country has a tax itself as opposed to a cap-and-trade system, in which case a per border permit would be more likely. And a border tax would probably be relevant for some of the heavy emitting industries like aluminum, steel, uh, maybe maybe glass, paper products. So imports would likely be taxed or could be taxed if they were from, from a country that didn't have the adequate regulations by the view of the, the importing country. Okay, so for instance, raw materials coming out of China might be subject to a border tax. Yeah, that's a good that's a good example. Uh, another another one is is U.S. exports being taxed in a market that they would be exporting to. So Ryan, in what kind of scenarios would U.S. exports be subject to a border tax, and what types of exports are we talking about? Well, you might see border taxes or border permit measures when we have more countries that have their own domestic regimes. So specifically, you would see the most energy-intense or emissions-intense sectors getting likely caught there, and those would be things like aluminum, cement, steel, paper, glass, chemicals, iron, uh, these sorts of uh, very intense industries. So when, when countries like the U.S., Canada, China, and other large countries have more serious either taxes or, or caps on carbon, they would want to keep out or at least put constraints on imports. Mostly for competitive reasons? That's a good question. It's both competitive and environmental reasons. So you can see both. But environmental leakage is one of the big issues in addition to competition problems. Those are two of the broad ways that companies will ultimately be affected, domestic legislation and border measures. So those have a lot to do with mitigation. The UN framework process is also taking on some broader issues like climate change adaptation, technology, transfer, finance, and ultimately developing systems for global finance or market mechanisms in general to to lead investments to their lowest cost location. So you gave us a good primer on what to look for on the international level. What about the national level? What about closer to home? What's going to happen this year and what are the signs that businesses need to be paying attention to? Well, a lot is going to happen and is already happening, starting with EPA is expected to give out more guidance on greenhouse gas reporting rule that the Clean Air Act outlines. Uh, Of course, both the Senate and the House are developing bills right now on, on energy, on transmission, and on ultimately climate bill. Obama and a number of senators with thinking it seems more like a cap-and-trade is the best or most likely. So it's not clear that a tax will happen, but cap-and-trade looks more likely. So those are some of the different levels that that are happening. This debate between cap-and-trade versus a tax in recent days, it seems like more business people, uh, CEOs coming out in favor of a carbon tax. What's your take on that? 
Well, I'm not an economist, and it gets technical pretty quickly, but ultimately a cap fixes the amount of emissions, mm-hmm. and a tax fixes the, the price. So a tax might seem easier to manage from an economist's view and a financial manager's view, but there is also some back-end work that needs to be done to, to make sure that we're getting to the targets, the emissions targets we need. So we have all of this action taking place on that policy side, but what can businesses do to engage in the discussion? Well, there are different standards groups that always make sense to participate in at the industry level and the company level, especially as we talk about supply chain and, and how carbon footprinting is measured in the supply chain. One of the one of the big ones is the greenhouse gas protocol is developing new guidance on their scope three or essentially supply chain emissions footprinting, uh, and I'd, I'd advise companies to go to the WRI website, World Resources Institute website, and check that out. And there might be some opportunities to get involved with that. There's also you know depending on the industry, if it's the electronics industry, the electronics industry citizenship coalition, for example is developing their own suggestions on how their industry ought to be regulated or at least measured uh, in terms of footprinting. So for most most industries, there's an opportunity to be a part of developing what policies make sense at the sort of measurement accounting level, but it's very much still being developed all around. You know, aside from sort of observing all of these developments taking place and getting involved with their sector, what can businesses do to position themselves favorably ahead of all of this pending regulation? Well, there's a lot of lot of different layers of, of looking at it and, and possible risk. For some companies, they expect to be regulated soon, and so it's, it's not even so much about risk but about preparing uh, and, and learning what emissions trading looks like and how that works for their company. Uh, For others, it's understanding what's happening in their supply chain and are there going to be regulations upstream that would likely create more more pinches, more price hotspots in their supply. Uh, And it it really depends on the industry, but there's, there's a lot of different levels of analysis that companies should be doing. So, Ryan, what are the big takeaways here? What's the single biggest piece of advice you could offer businesses? Well, it's that no matter how you slice it, there's increasingly pressure for the use and propagation of lower carbon fuel and energy. So being on the right side of that makes sense. And that is true both in terms of the direct price on energy and carbon associated with the energy, as well as indirect effects like how suppliers might be affected about products that that you're selling. So in, in very many ways, and indirectly and directly, there is increasingly a premium on using and, and propagating low-carbon low energy and fuels. You just mentioned companies get on the right side of low-carbon fuel and energy. How do you propose they do that? Well, it depends what situation they're in. If companies that have supply chains that rely on emissions-intense or energy-intense production, those that basically have higher emissions coming from the supply chains face more risk. So it's having a handle on where there are opportunities uh, for lower emissions in the supply chain. That's one. For those that are a large energy users in production, both efficiency and, and renewables will just be a lot more valuable. And then also for companies that make energy-using products, those that are more efficient obviously make more sense. So if the auto industry had been doing this a long time ago, they'd be in a lot better shape now. Uh, And that's just going to look more and more true in the future. How do you foresee events happening this year, if you can make a prediction? 
Well, there's there's a lot of speculation about whether the U.S. will ratify a treaty in Copenhagen this year, and if it does, if that's even a good idea at this point. There's a lot of sequencing that needs to take place uh, in order for it to be ratified and ultimately for policies that the U.S. implements to be durable. So I, I don't know if it's going to be this year or next year. It would be too early to say, but, I mean, in the next well, one to two to three years, I, you would expect to see something pretty uh, robust. Thank you for joining us, Ryan. Thank you, Toby. You've been listening to Green Biz Radio. For the latest daily news on business, the environment, and the bottom line, and to sign up for our free newsletters, visit greenbiz.com.